Welcome to Top Landing Gear and to our series of interviews from the 2021 Bournemouth Air Festival. One of the most eye-catching solo displays at UK air shows is the ultra-high-energy performance by Rich Goodwin in his bit special muscle biplane. A former RAF tornado pilot, Rich has been performing aerobatics for over 30 years and his phenomenal display has spectators gasping in disbelief as he hurls his tiny aircraft around the sky. Rich is also passionate about building and modifying these biplanes and as well as talking to us about his display, he told us some very exciting and unusual plans for the future. We're at the Bournemouth Air Festival, which has just been an absolute magical trip for us so far. And we've all been to many, many air shows. One of the craziest displays you could ever see is the pitch special flown by Rich Goodwin. And Rich is with us now. I thought you were going to look like a kind of mad freak, Rich, with all due respect. Your display is just... Mind-boggling. Well, you mean like I look like a normal person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, It's not. Yeah, yeah. I I, I first saw this sort of display in America, and uh, it sort of kind of blew my mind away. And I couldn't understand why there was nothing like it in UK and Europe. And I was I was getting on a bit. I was nearely fifty, and I thought, well, yeah, why don't I have a go at that? You know, I'd I'd been involved with you know building and uh, light aircraft, developing light aircraft. Um, on, on, a, on a relatively small scale, and um, one thing led to another. Uh, you know, bought, a, bought an aeroplane, uh, and, and the only way you can sort of achieve the results that we get is by um, a lot of modifications to the aeroplane, and it's all the small incremental changes to the aeroplane that make it such a, a great, a great airshow aircraft. I mean, the pits. In its rare form, it's still a pretty impressive it's, aerobatic Yeah, aircraft. designed in, um, you know, Curtis flew the first one, I think, in 1947. You know, it is an iconic aircraft with all the sort of original um, sort of structural integrity of, of those original biplanes with the, you know, the two wings and the, um, the diagonal wires giving it, you know, all that incredible strength. Until, of course, then, you know, uh, modern composites came along and they all decided to build monoplanes, which mm. uh, have their place and they're brilliant, but... Um, sometimes it's, it's nice to see something old with a massive engine uh, trugging around the sky, producing loads of smoke and, and um, you know, entertaining people. Yeah. Uh, the, the average person that goes to an air show doesn't know, well, I'm going to dig myself in a hole here. But uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the people sometimes just want to be entertained and sort of open their mouth a bit and go, wow, how, how does he do that? Yeah. So that's what we that's what we try and achieve. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a small aircraft with a massive amount of power up front, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been described as almost a you know a hot rod biplane or a pimped biplane, and and um, yeah, I mean, it is a very light aeroplane. It's a very strong aeroplane, and we've got uh, you know a high performance engine in there, and um, you know that's one of the fundamental um, yeah the ways that we we do some of the manoeuvres. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm kind of. I'm not sort of blowing my own trumpet. I mean, I think you stick most people in it and they do some sort of, you know, good display in it. Um, but the, 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 the hard part is is getting all the changes through the regulator because we don't live in... We're not in the USA where things are slightly easier on the experimental market or the experimental building side because you can normally sort of bolt it on, weld it up and don't do it. Whereas in this country, everything has to be structurally analysed and approved and it's not red tape and it's... I call it red tape only when I get frustrated, but... Um, it's you know it has to be designed in accordance with regulation 
and uh, that takes time. It all takes, takes uh, intellect, and it's it's not my intellect. I, I'm very um, humbled to know a guy called uh, Eddie Salman in America, American designer. He you've probably seen the Jet Wacko. He designed that airplane, the Yak 110, the the two Yak te- Yak 55s bolted together. He designed that. And some, sometimes it's the designers behind these sort of crazy ideas. Um, uh, you know, the pilot's going around taking all the credit, but, you know, the guy that designed it, you know, deserves some credit as well. And credit to Eddie. He's, he's, he's supported me through all the changes we've had to get. So what, what input do you have in the changes you've made to your aircraft? Absolutely none. Really? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, no, but it's all been done before in America, but you don't have to prove it or you know so say for example you know we put a different engine mount with different landing gear on and a you know modified engine in america you just do it whereas in this country you need to you know you know justify it uh, from an engineering point of view for example the control surfaces there's a it's got a much bigger rudder and a, an aerodynamically balanced rudder and it's got a much bigger elevator aerodynamically balanced elevator so you would think you could just go and um, you know weld that up and change it, but as soon as you introduce uh, those sort of changes, the stresses on the, the fuselage truss change. So you have to calculate all the aerodynamic loads, uh, the loads on the tailplane, prove that the tailplane is structurally, um, you know, it's got structural integrity, and then go back and calculate all the fuselage truss loads to make sure that the fuselage truss is still strong enough. So all that needs to be seen by the regulator, which is in our case is the Light Aviation Authority. Who, in general, are very supportive of these things, but you know they are the post holder for the CAA of you know home built aeroplanes, and um, you know they have to sign it off. So, without sort of signing your own sort of, uh, refusal to for permit to fly, do you think America's got it right or the UK? I think it's a, I think it's a middle ground. Uh, yeah. I think. I mean, do aircraft just fall out of the sky in America? Um, no, modifications. They, they generally don't, and um, generally an airshow aircraft is inspected a, in a, a lot more diligently. It gets flown to its li- I mean, the whole point of limits is to use the limits yeah, yeah. for the envelope. It gets flown to those limits, but generally, you know, people doing this every day in, day out, they, you know, they look very carefully at the aircraft, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we, I have a sort of, I have the same approach to my aeroplanes, yeah. um, because you're on public display, and because obviously, you know, I'm in it as well. Yeah. Um, so there's an added incentive there. Um, so... Uh, one of the things about biplanes is the sort of it, with composite aeroplanes you can't really see when it fails yeah. it just it just goes fails yeah whereas the biplane you know if, if it's it, it can ta- it can talk to you the fuselage can talk to you oh there's a crack there yeah. <laughs> okay we better look at that why is that there and um, you know you can sort it out normally you see a crack before you it snaps yeah. or you know the whole there's a lot of components in, in the fuselage I'm sound, that's all sounding quite negative isn't it but, <laughs> no I think the LAA of it would be good to be slightly more slightly freer um, I've got um, you know we've so we've been um, well where do I start I mean obviously you've probably seen G Wiz the red aeroplane yes. it's an S2S modified I then built a new wing uh, for that aeroplane which was sort of the last part of the modification uh, journey and then halfway through building the wing, um, uh, this is a, a wing designed by Eddie Salmon. Um, uh, I thought, well, once I built the wing, it was taking quite a few years to build it. I, I've almost got another aeroplane, so I decided to build a whole new aeroplane. And in the design process, because <clears throat> Eddie uses finite element analysis techniques, so he's got the whole aeroplane sort of computer modelled. Yeah. Um, you know, I sort of I was watching him 
you know, the development of the Jet Wacko, I said, oh, can we put some jet engines on my pits? And he yeah. said, well, we could do that every weekend in, in USA, Rich. <laughs> I said, well, okay, how much would it cost me, for, you know, for you, for you to sort of design that? And, he, and we agreed the amount. And um, I don't think he really anticipated how much work would be involved in trying to get it through the regulator. But that's how we, we started that journey. And um, we've you know jumping on a bit so the, the blue airplane you'll see today we call it the jet pits everyone's saying well where are the jet engines because <laughs> i keep saying well they're in the hangar <laughs> they're still on the bench but um i i you know i started that journey um because eddie said yeah we could do that and the airplane was you know structurally good to do it and we found a jet turbine we got support from the jet turbine manufacturer it's an uncertified engine but uh, which brings uh, some other issues but um you know, I just went with the journey and managed to get a sponsor who was a bit interested in supporting some of it, so which is great. So it's not all money out of my own pocket. And um, I, I, as, as I get closer to the end game, which was either the end game is either it doesn't work yeah. or, it, or it works, I'm, I'm feeling more and more confident actually it, it may well work. Um, but we will never know if it works or not unless we actually try. So that, that's where we are. And what's the time scale you looking for for that? Well, so when I built the aeroplane, we built it with the um, all the mounts in, which yeah. is basically a big scaffold pole welded into the fuselage, <laughs> and and and, you, and, they, and the, the jet engines just plug on. Eddie's designed a very, I mean, he's a great designer, and he worked. He was um, head of engineering at, at Abiat with Curtis, so he worked with Curtis. He personally knows him as, a, as a, his friend and work colleague, so everything he knows came from Curtis. So we we got the right man involved. Um, so as it stands at the moment there's no jet engines on it we've had two jet turbines on it I've done the test flying without the turbines running because mm. um, uh, they've cleared it for flight with, with those loads yeah. i.e. Uh, in the airframe but not with them running now when they're running they, there's other loads that haven't been accounted for at the moment with the gyroscopic loads so when you yaw and pitch you get um, loads through the engine mounts uh, because of this, the, 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 the turbines which are spinning yeah. at 46,000 RPM. Um, so you get those loads, and then there's also what's called a containment issue. Uh, issue. So certified jet turbines have containment rings around the, 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 the rotors, so if, it, if you get what's called rotor burst, yeah. then there's a, all the bits are caught in a, ba- a bag around it. So yeah. It's normally a Kevlar uh, band yeah. in your average jet airliner. So, um, you know, I approached a guy called John Whiten, yeah, yeah I, I, I tried initially to risk assess it and mitigate. Uh, well, actually, the rotors are only in line with my feet and uh, the fuel tank. And, yeah, you can go through a fuel tank, and if it hits my feet, well, pilot lands with one foot sort of thing. Um, I sort of thought... Right I'd started trying to... Yeah, I started trying to write the risk assessment. I thought, I don't think this is going to stack up. So I met a guy, John Whiten from Acroflight. He said, oh, it's easy. We'll just you know, build an A-cell with some Kevlar bands, and if it blows up, we'll catch all the bits. Yeah. So I thought, well, actually, that makes me feel a lot more comfortable anyway. Yeah. So I've built those. We're having a bit of a problem at the moment in when it was analysed and the, the thickness of Kevlar was determined, sort of tracking down the original source of the analysis. So it's, it's been built. Yeah. We've flown them with the jet turbines, but not running. And so we're in this final stage of negotiation with the LAA as to... I'm, 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 if, if, if anyone out there is good with uh, um, sort of uh, I- impact analysis and or fragmentation, uh, so absorption of um, uh, met- high-speed particles, high speed particles <laughs> going through sheets of steel and then Kevlar, energy absorption. Yeah. But having said that, you know, I thought... 
you know, John was doing all that, and for some reason we've we've sort of stalled on it. I, I, I then sort of looked through lots of NASA papers, and and I found a very simple Chinese formula <laughs> from a Chinese aerospace. There's, a, there's an aerospace paper I found where they done, but I mean, in all credit to the Chinese, it, it looks legitimate to me. Um, they've done all sorts of analysis on you know uh, getting getting uh, bodies with a certain amount of energy, throwing it in a bit of Kevlar. And they've got a curve or a formula, a basic formula, which relates the thickness of Kevlar to the energy absorbed. Yeah. And so, I, you know, what could possibly go wrong? I, I, I know we've, we've got about, uh, when you analyse the rotor, you've got about eight, 9,000 joules of energy. And you look on the graph, it says four millimetres of Kevlar. So I sent that to the LAA, <laughs> I sent that to the LAA and said, is that going to do? In the hope that they say, well, actually, yeah, that looks about right. <laughs> so, but, yeah, it's... It, it's you know, I, and everyone says, well, you know, what, how are you going to fly it? What's going to happen? This that, and the other. I just really don't know. All I know is we've got the jet turbines mounted. I've flown the aeroplane, done all the spinning, and it flies just like an S2B, i.e. my aeroplane with another person in it, which yeah. is the whole principle behind uh, it anyway. It's all flying within its normal certified weight limit. Um, and so now it's just a question of um, you know getting permission to start them up, and then we'll do and see how it flies in one engine. And I, I've done high-speed taxi tests, and you know had the tail up with full power in one engine. You can still hold it straight on the runway with rudder, albeit with a bit of brake, which I burnt out. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I you know I'm beginning to think you know what could possibly go and wrong. And you don't change <laughs> your uh, your rating, your, your license. You can still fly it on a. Well, I, I'm gonna, apparently the CA are going to give me a special tri-motor license. Oh, no, I'm only, I'm, only ki- I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Well, I'm hoping that I've got a, a 757 license and a, and a single-engine piston that so we can sort of merge that. And, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I might miss something here, Rich, but why are you doing this? Well, well you know, it's, it's been an incredible journey, and I think, um, you know, we produced that aeroplane, which does produce a great air show act, yeah. and, then, and then because Eddie said, yeah, we can bolt those on, and one thing led to another... Well, let's give it a go. Um, it, and it's, I've learnt a lot. I've learnt a lot in, in a really interesting sort of way. And it's it's not. I'm no. I, I just put. I've just put the hours in and building it. And it has. I mean, it's taken me four years to build that blue aeroplane, but I absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, we've got a, a development engine in there as well. And uh, I mean, this is the next step, along with my my new sponsor, hopefully, because we all want to go a bit greener. So th- there's lots of links here. There's a guy called Andy Higgs who is, um, he's got history in uh, McLaren Formula 1 engine design, who's then branched out into um, um, aircraft engine design. He's, he lives and is based in uh, Japan, very clever guy. So he's developed the cylinders which I'm now flying on my aeroplane, um, and they were a production cylinder, but there's been you know, minor issues, as there is with any sort of development. It produces incredible power, as you'll hear and see today, um, but there's so much power that you can't keep the, the engine cool particularly. Well, it's difficult to keep it cool. It's got big fins on it and all sorts. But um, And a lot of people were abusing you know, the temperature limits on the engine and stuff like that, not being overly cautious. So he, he's now not producing that, and he's producing what's called a, a liquid cool version, which is, which is incredible, really. And, and, and you need to get out to Reno to watch or, or follow his um, or interview him. He's very interesting. A guy, AC Aero, you may have heard of them. Um, so he's got this six cylinder engine in a Lance Air, and they're going to be racing it at Reno on the 18th. Uh, it starts on the 18th. Um, it's the same six cylinder engine. In fact, I've got in my aeroplane, but this has got liquid cooled jackets around it. So they'll be running that engine 
So normally my, my cylinder head temperature is around about 400, 430. So the engine running the same sort of power is running cylinder head temperatures around about 165 Fahrenheit. So all the wear tolerances are much lower. You can run it on, on unleaded fuel. You, can, you don't have to run it rich to keep it cool. So it, it is sort of going greener. Yeah. And, um, but, but their engine, I mean, mine is normally aspirated, runs at sort of 30 inches manifold air pressure. Their engine, they've got it, uh, they'll be turning out the boost to run it at 110 inches and it will produce over 1,000 horsepower. Wow. Same, same metal, wow. albeit with water cooled. So, I mean... Is your engine, a, is it a Lycoming engine? You've it's got a Lycoming, but with Andy Higgs's uh, cylinders on it. Yeah. So it's all Formula One technology in, in the cylinders. So they're very light, light con rods. It's got uh, Nicosil bores and all that sort of stuff that I don't really understand, but it, <laughs> <laughs> but it produces great power. So what can we expect to see today in your display? Um, well, uh, are you allowed to... Oh, yeah. Actually, could I just say, for, for, for listeners who may... I mean, there can't be many people listening to this who wouldn't have seen a, a Rich Goodwin display over yeah. the years, but it, it is almost, if I, if I may be, you know, sound... I don't mean to sound rude, but it's kind of crazy flying. It is impossible. You do the impossible. You must put the aircraft through so many stresses, let alone what you're doing to your own body. You're pulling negative Gs, positive Gs. I think you fly a few long chevacs, which is a crazy manoeuvre in itself. You do a knife-edge pass down, down the runway at zero feet. It is the most mind-dazzling, well, dazzling and mind-boggling display, I think, one could ever see. Well, that, that really is pushing the Coventry to the limit, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, he, he, he's in the media. He, he's quite... Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, exagger- he's, exa- he's exaggerated a bit there. I don't It's incredible. It's a, it, it, is, it is a great aeroplane, and um, I'm sure you put most people in that, they'll, they'll do some similar stuff with it. I, it. Yeah, I had to be a bit careful. Everyone says crazy, because they don't want... The, the people that invite you to air shows don't want crazy people at air no, shows. Sure. So we, you know, we try and make it, you know, look impossible and difficult, but um, keep it quite organised. And generally, I try and fly the same routine all the time because it just gives me a bit more capacity to focus on positioning and wind and the crowd and stuff like that. I don't really have to think about what's coming up next. And also, some of the manoeuvres are quite sort of energy dependent. You might want high energy for one manoeuvre or low energy, and if you start sticking them in a random order then you can maybe come unstuck a bit. So I hope people don't get bored, but I do generally fly the same <laughs> thing. I haven't that. changed it much this year. Uh, you'll notice with this blue aeroplane, for those sort of aircraft spotters in, in the audience, that the roll rate, that's the rate of roll on the aeroplane, is, is much faster than the red aeroplane. And that is because of the incredible wing that Eddie has designed. Uh, that took you know kind of four years to build it's got massive ailerons it's it's about another four square feet in area and so it's low low speed handling is amazing in the deep stall you can fly it on the ailerons and you know it's it's, it's, it's just a fantastic aeroplane uh, to fly um and yeah i mean uh, I, I hope the guys watching in, in, enjoy it. I certainly enjoy displaying here, particularly at Bournemouth. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a fantastic arena. Is your display absolutely in your head? Do you have it written down at all? No, because I can't read. Uh, <laughs> no, it's memory. It's memory. It's a, It's um. Yeah. No. I. 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 I fly the same routine, and then, and then um, you know I'll, I'll go through it on the ground before I get in the aeroplane, yeah. and then I'll fly the same routine. If it. So. The sort of um, human factors has come into display flying quite a lot in recent times, um, and there's a great temptation to, if you sort of 
make a mistake or get lost just to carry on and but but sort of we we write risk assessments now and mm. um it doesn't happen very often but if i have a mental aberration or forget or or end up in the wrong place at the wrong time then you know my sort of mitigate the risk of sort of digging myself in a big hole is like stop the display just think about where I am and then start at a known point and then carry on because mm. most people will not notice that, that anything's changed but yeah. I think it's, it's it's more important you know nowadays that we have these sort of uh, you know backup backup plans is, yeah. is what we call them do you, um, do you flick roll in in the um, pits yeah it was was it it was never really designed to flick roll that was, a, it was more well you more heard about the cracking of the brain uh, yeah. struts and stuff well, like that yeah, they I mean, put but originally, yeah. but when the pits originally came out, flick rolling wasn't even a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now, it's yeah, we flick roll it. But we we do a lot of what's called, uh, you know, sort of negative D, negative G shoulder rolls, tumbles, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It, it's it's slightly different from a monoplane display. Yeah. I mean, you find out what your aeroplane does well, and then you sort of monopolise on that. Yeah. Like the you you won't see me doing. I don't know what the extras do. They do sort of a backward somersault or forward somersault. I can't remember. Yeah. But the pits won't do that. Um, it's all to do with, you know, I don't think it's to do, I think you put any pilot in and they probably won't be able to do it. Um, it. But it does some things quite well, yeah. And which leave a nice smoke trail, uh, which look pretty. I mean, you know. So. And as, as far as um, power, can you hang on the prop? Is that possible? No, so just sort of take you back to the sort of why we're putting the jet engines on. So typically the 540, the engine we've got in it, is about 300 horsepower odd produces about a thousand pounds with a thrust but the airplane weighs sort of 1600 pounds 1500 pounds so obviously we can't hover it we can yeah. make it look like it's hovering yeah. because you can fly it down at, with, with you know with with the nose pointing straight up and and the thrust going you know the thrust vector yeah. the wing the wing the stall speed obviously comes really down because the wing loading is so light yeah. so it will fly around at about 20 20 30 knots although i can't see that on the airspeed indicator yeah. but you'll see when we hover it today um, that um, it looks like it's stationary, and if there's a strong wind, it'll even you know it'll go backwards yeah. on, on the ground, yeah. not in the air. So Do you use ribbons on your wing to um, show you what you know where you are, whether you when you're falling backwards, etc. Et I, I use that when we do the torque roll because uh, but, but when we do the torque roll, we reverse the well, we reverse the aileron. I, I'm not too sure actually with this aeroplane how much difference it makes because it's got such big span ailerons. Yeah. A lot of the aileron is still in the prop wash, yeah, near ah. near the center line. So. Yeah. I've tried it both ways because in the red one, I, you always when you're going backwards, you reverse the aileron because it's, it's sort of kind of reverse gear. And I, I've been doing the same on this one, but I've tried it keeping the same aileron. It doesn't seem to make much difference to the sort of way it torque rolls around. But uh, yeah, so I'm still still learning a bit on that. Um, but you, the answer it won't hover. However, when we put 700 pounds of thrust from two jet turbines on, <laughs> that'll give us 1700 pounds of thrust. Then we will be able to hover. So that's the whole, the whole point. When I, when I said to Eddie, "Or oh, should we put a jet on?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, but you'll need to get two. You'll need to have seven hundred pounds of thrust because the whole purpose is to have a, a better than a one point one to one power to rate ratio. So you can pull up into the vertical, you can yeah. stop, and then you can go up again." Wow. So that's the whole point, <laughs> and, and I think it will be a different. Yeah. It will be a different show. It won't be lots of sort of. Gy- I, 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 Sorry, Rich. Just with the, when the jets go on, will you will these be spooled up for the whole display? Will you spool them up? Well, I mean, how would you have time to get that? Yeah, God, <laughs> you know what? I, we have lots of fuel tanks on my airplane, yeah. so we've got about seventy liters of Jet A1, but and that will last about eight minutes. So, 
Um, we haven't actually run one in the air yet, but um, you know, I, I anticipate basically flying to an air show, starting the jet engines, and then starting the air show. I don't suppose to be fanning around, <laughs> turning things on and off. And um, we've, you know, it, it, it's, you wonder sort of think about how you're going to control all these things. Yeah. I mean, there's not many controls in my plane anyway. There's any, there's a, a throttle lever. So at the moment, I've got two sort of linear potentiometers. They're electronically controlled through the FADEC system. Uh, that can, with my left hand on the throttle and my fingertips on the the, thr- the, the, the jet turbines. But when you look in my aeroplane, it does look like it's sort of made out of Meccano. So, <laughs> you know, we do, I, I will be improving that setup. That's really just for test flying purposes. And so we can, um, you know, fly it around on one jet turbine and, and see how it flies atometrically at different power settings uh, and do some progress- progressive test flying. And, and, but, but ultimately, Electroflight, who are developing the, um, the NXT racer electric aeroplane, Rolls-Royce Electroflight, you've, you obviously heard about that. You, you've spoken, yes. yeah. So they're in the hangar next door to me. I'd probably use the throttle system they have on their aeroplane. Have they which... noticed it's gone missing? <laughs> <laughs> they're short of batteries. <laughs> yeah, so, um, which is basically... A manly throttle lever that you can, you know, abuse, yeah. but it will have a Hall effect sensor to determine the position of the throttle yeah. to feed back into the jet turbines. Yeah. So it all sounds complicated, but it's not. It's it all. It's all. Incredible. It's it's basically. You know, I sort of summarise it by saying, well, you know, it's a sort of Harrier built in my shed. Yeah. <laughs> if it works, it's going to be great. Yeah. It, so one of the other problems we had with it was when I first mounted the jet turbines, we didn't really know how the tailplane was going to cope so uh, you know i put a false tailplane on ran them and then after about 10 minutes found out the tailplane was going to melt because uh, so we basically had to angle the jets out outboard so we've lost a bit of thrust in the right direction but only only by about 15 degrees so we haven't lost i think it's cos 15 yeah. or whatever we haven't lost too much um thrust the the, the the efflux we found is very very powerful it's like doing mach 0.85 yeah. And it's very narrow jet. So we've got it literally touching the just off the tip of the tailplane. So the tailplane is not bothered at all. I've got a temperature sensor on the tailplane, which says, rich land, it's melting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, no, it's all sort of, you know, since flying it with the turbines on and spinning it and everything, doing aerobatics, it's, I think, oh, I think this actually might work. You you mentioned a sponsor who's paying for some of this. Uh, what is, what's the, are, they, are they just mad or are they uh, interested <laughs> no, in your... Um, um, I mean, looking to uh, okay, so two guys, uh, um, um, uh, Chris Woodward and uh, Roger, uh, Roger Parsons, they own a company called Anana and um, they liked what they saw, they liked to laugh, um, they, <laughs> they have a balloon, they're an independent company and they thought, yeah, let, let's... We want to get our brand out there and, and use Rich and his biplane to do it. So they've supported me for the last um, few years. They've been the business has been um, merged with another business now, so we're in a transition period. Um, the new, if they sponsor me, the new company is called Sabio. They're a telecommunications company, which is what Anana was: yeah. telecommunications and uh, customer service technology, artificial intelligence, all that stuff. So. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know that, that, that they want to carry on with it, um, and um, you know they, they they want to carry on with it for the reasons of science, technology, education, maths. Yeah. Their corporate responsibility in terms of infusing people into science type subjects. Um, we're working on a greener type of engine. I mentioned the water cooled stuff. It's you know is more fuel efficient and you know wear and all that sort of stuff. 
Uh, so that's another sort of technology in the pipeline and that. And, um, yeah, they, they, they seem like a really exciting company to be involved with. And uh, I'm, 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 you know, we'll be proud to represent them. We've got the branding on at the moment. But it's like all these things, it happens quite quickly sometimes. But do they so. provide any technical support as well? Or is it just, just they, cash? They, 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 they supply, um, supply support for running the aeroplanes. Yeah. yeah, I put all the time, effort, and graft into. There's no technical support. Um, you know, if I, if I need technical support, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it. But generally, it's it's it is a bit of a one man show in terms of I build it, fly it, maintain it, and um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a really interesting, a really interesting journey, and I'm enjoying the journey. Um, what I, what I love about this is that you're, you've got a, a massive can-do attitude and um, you're not sort of constrained by convention. You're, and, and in terms of STEM subjects, you're an absolute exemplar, aren't you? Because, you know, if, if you want to get kids interested in doing these sorts of things... Yeah, we don't want to... Yeah. Do something that's unusual. Don't yeah, we don't want to, I don't want to encourage kids to uh, get in a supermarket trolley and strap a jet engine to it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> but yeah, but you may not want to do that. But yeah. you do want people to come and be enthused. And yeah. if you get enthused yeah. by doing something that's maybe a bit off the wall and incredibly interesting, well, that was a great way to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I learned sort of. I've got no sort of trained skills. I mean, obviously, I've got an engineering background as well as you know, RAF flying, commercial flying, but. You know, I, I learned to build model aeroplanes at the age of eight, ten, with my dad, and, and I, you know, and that's how you build a biplane. It's the same sort of principles: lots of bolts of wood glued together, and I hope it's strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> but Rich, just before we wrap this up completely, just going back to the the display, we talked a little bit about the stresses you put the aircraft through. How uncomfortable is that display to fly, and how exhausted are you by the end of it? It must I, be physically extraordinarily demanding. Isn't it's it? not. It's not. I, I think it probably looks a lot worse than it is. I mean, I think the poor old Typhoon pilot has to go through a bit more punishing. Yeah, well, he's got uh, a G suit. Yeah, he's got a couple, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I wear tight jeans and a belt. And a <laughs> Um, it's, it's not. It's not too. I, I, I try and stay fit. You know, just. I mean, you know, I'm. I, I'm. I'm getting reasonably old, but I try and stay fit, jogging and stuff like that. And yeah. um, you know, I don't. Yeah, it, it's. It's not. It's not too bad. It's not. You know, it's a bit of a. If I said, oh, it's terrible. You know, I get up and pump iron every day, and uh, yeah. yeah, I barely survive it. I, I'd be lying, but you I know, just, it's survivable. You get used to it. Yeah. Well, one final thought. I always think about you and one or two other pilots in, in your ilk is um, do you, what's the longest period you've ever flown straight and level? Do you find transiting really quite tricky? I find it quite relaxing, actually. Because <laughs> I'm not doing anything on the ground and nothing in the air. Yeah. And I'm sort of normally flying it around with my knee, sort of yeah. on, on my yeah. iPhone doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously looking out the window as of well. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but it's, it, yeah, I've just... Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about the, the. It's not just the flying, but it's the building, developing, and you know how. So it is all relatively straightforward and simple once you understand the basic principles, particularly building the aeroplane. Mm. And so you know, it is. It, it was built in my, albeit a double garage. It doesn't really stop anyone, you know, getting some plans and get building. Oh, it's no, not. I, it's not just a rich man's sport. I love just going flying aerobatics and throwing, throwing things upside down things. But to do that in an aircraft, you've basically developed. <laughs> Must be just that little extra, extra sort of step up. Think, yeah, it's no, it's, it's satisfying. I'm so yeah. pleased. I mean, I saw a lot uh, when I was building it, and the frustration of getting it approved because the yeah. wing had never. There's one set of wing flying in the world like this in America, so I was basically sent some jigs 
no plans. Um, some jigs and spars. So jigs to build the ribs, yeah. spars which were cut. And basically, you know, pretty much I've got, you know, I've got the pits drawing, so you assemble it in the same way as a pits. And then obviously with some backup support on the phone with Eddie, um, yeah, how do you do that? Yep. Yeah, do it like that. Um, you know, box it all in, do this, that, and the other. Then I had to draw the plans for it, submit to the LAA. For the LAA to say, well, we don't think it's strong enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, no, so uh, because there's quite a lot different, and, and the, there had to be structural justification of how the ailerons are hinged, and then flutter tests, and you know, sure. lots of stuff. But which is, but it is a great, great airplane. And yeah. if anyone who wants one. Oh, then that's the nice thing is that, you know, if you want one, you've got to go and build one. You yeah, can't just yeah, go and absolutely. buy one. Yeah, which it's is, unique. It's a unique display. Yeah, no, a unique so, so that's uh, there's a little bit of satisfaction at the end of all those years of building. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Rich, thanks for talking to us. And thanks for the years of jaw-dropping entertainment you've given us. And please give us many more, won't you? Well, yeah, uh, it's, it's lovely to meet you guys. And, um, yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Okay, cheers. Well, huge thanks to everyone who took time to talk to us. And remember, you can hear more interviews from the Bournemouth Air Festival and all our Top Landing Gear podcasts wherever you normally get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on social media at Top Landing Gear and get in touch with us by email at info at toplandinggear.com. That's info at toplandinggear.com. Two Gs. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 